Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology, the Christian life, all sorts of things related uh, as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Lucas, welcome. You are in a new state and a new time zone. We, uh, dear listeners, almost dropped the ball and forgot that we were in two different time zones. Uh, but here we are, alas, we are, we're back with fresh content yet again. And this week's episode comes courtesy of my dude here, Lucas. Um, this one, I feel like, has been on the list for months and months and months, in part because like we've been busy for months and months and months and haven't been recording fresh episodes. Um, but it's one that like we talked about a long time ago. We never really committed to like a day or time, but now here we are. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, I'm going to kick it to my pal Lucas, where he's going to give us the introductory remarks to this topic of are denominations good or are denominations bad? Um, and in the end, we will, well, I think as we go, you'll sort of get an idea of what the answer is, but I think in the end, you'll get the, the real sense for where we're going. So Lucas, how do you want to start this one? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, it's one of those ones that's also been in the docket because it's like a relatively easy one to prepare for, not in the sense that it's we're not taking it seriously or it's not a big, important question that requires a lot of thought, but just that, you know, it's not diving into ancient writings to get to the bottom of some, you know, historical figure and what they taught about you know, the Trinity or something. So it's, there's, I mean, really we could go any number of ways. We could go potentially in as many different directions as there are denominations. But um, I do think there are some like, maybe we could, we could spitball some key questions to be, to be thinking about. Well, and I guess even before that, we should probably say what what exactly we mean as far as this conversation goes specifically when we say denominations. So obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious, but if you're new here, this is a theological, religious Christian podcast. So we're talking about like within the Christian world, um, typically denomination would be used just to describe different groups or sects or individual churches different traditions within the broader Christian body. I think for our purposes, like, like I think a lot of times it's, it's sort of a Protestant word. Like mostly I think when, when people, at least people who are involved in like a theological discussion, maybe not an everyday conversation, but definitely like sort of the more historically minded or theologically minded, I think would typically describe you know denominations when they're talking about or use the word denominations when they're trying to describe different groups within protestantism as the sort of institutional diversity just isn't really there in roman catholicism or eastern orthodoxy or or other um more ancient traditions where the, the the institutional unity is a little more at least on the outside seems a little more stuck together you know i don't whether or not that means those traditions are more unified within themselves theologically or practically is a different matter but but i think like for our purposes today and push back if you disagree but like i think 
by and large, when it, for for this conversation, when we say denominations, when I say denominations, I'm I'm kind of thinking more broadly to any um, different, you know, distinct tradition or group within Christianity. Um, so I would include groups like the Roman Catholic Church, which normally is not a church that might be on the same level of conversation as like, oh, what denomination are you? Are you, you know, Baptist or Presbyterian or something like that, where the differences are maybe a little bit smaller, like the the connections are maybe a little more obvious, they're, they're a little more um, perhaps at least perceived as minor disagreements that lead to sort of the the different institutional bodies and such. But um, basically, I have in mind this question of, and it's in, even though I'm including non-Protestants, it's obviously very relevant within the Protestant world. Is there a benefit to the, the situation a, as it exists, which is there are, if you Google, you know, church near me, you're going to find a bunch of different ones. Um, this this short-term house where I am staying right now, um, where, where we're renting, is down the street from a church that is literally called Quaker Memorial Presbyterian Church, which is, um, when I saw the sign, I thought it was amazing and hilarious. Um, it, it's an old Quaker meeting house that was built, like, when the city was founded, um, but then it, it was purchased by um, a Presbyterian congregation who who worship in it. And, and so it, they, they named it Quaker Memorial as homage to the people who built it and used it before them and stuff. So, but right there, Quaker Memorial Presbyterian, you got Quakers, you got Presbyterians. These are different groups. Um, if you Google church near me and you don't know, you're going to see all these different names of Presbyterians and Episcopal and Roman Catholic and Baptist and community churches and churches that say we're not a denomination. We're, we're, we're something completely different. Churches who say we're, we're not part of a denomination because we're independent and we're our own thing. You know, like you go down the list and you're going to have people who say, oh, we're, we're old regular Baptist and we're Southern Baptist and we're American Baptist. And it's the same thing with um, any other congregations. You got Lutherans who are in, who are ELCA, who are uh, LCMS, who are AALC, and it goes on and on and on and on. Um, and so the way I want to frame the question is you, whether it's, whether like whatever the reason is, and we're not talking about, you know, which denominations are healthy institutions or significant institutions or this, that, or the, you know, conservative and orthodox and liberal and all these things. Like, we're not talking about that so much as just the fact that there are, quote unquote, denominations. How do we, it exists, it's the way it is, regardless of how it happened and the reasons for it. How do we sort of live in that world? How do we live as Christians in a world in which there are different kinds of Christians? It's kind of the way I want to frame the question, which might be a long-winded way of not really saying much. But I think perhaps if we use that phrase, like different kind of Christian, right? Like I think maybe that is is gets, gets a little bit more specifically at, at what I wanted to ask, um, which is sort of the, like a lot of our episodes, just sort of the beginning of a conversation that is at this point, centuries, if not millennia old. And 
what like if we say it's good you know i think it's important to say okay well, well why is it good that you have some christians who go to the lutheran church and you have others who go to the presbyterian church etc cetera, etc cetera. like there should be a reason i think uh if we're going to answer that it's good and if it's bad there should there obviously there needs to be a reason why we think it's bad but also there kind of needs to be a like well there are different kinds of christians in different church bodies so if we want to say it's bad even if we have really good reasons that that inevitably leads to sort of a next question which is so what like so what do we do right um if this is a problem what's the solution or something mm-hmm. like that so i don't yeah. know if if that gives you if, something to grab onto to kind of kick to kind of lead us into one of the many trails we could take yeah well it's funny that you say that because i'm looking at a chart right now and it is Christian denominational families. And so it has a, a straight line for a, a good portion of time. It has the Church of East, the Oriental Orthodox Church, and then the Great Schism. Um, so you have the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox split. Um, and then a little bit later, you have the Protestant Reformation, where there's <laughs> even more splits. And so, yes, we could, this picture could, or the, this conversation very well could be exactly like this picture where we're, we start one place, but it fractures out into 50 other different conversations. Um, I was trying to even land on a number of like how many denominations are there. And I, I can't, I couldn't find like a good one. I'm like currently on list of Christian denominations by number of members on Wikipedia. And it is like insane. I'm looking through like technically you're right, like Catholicism, Orthodox, like they those are considered like pre-denominational entities. But even like within these churches, there are like the Romanian uh, Greek Catholic Church, the Hungarian, the Slavic, the uh, Russian, Greek, like Macedonian, so on and so forth. Um, and then you get into like Church of England, Church of Nigeria, Church of Uganda, Southern Baptist Convention, National Baptist Convention of the USA Incorporated. Um, uh, like the list goes something on. That, something to, to get into like, so like that that's helpful too, which is maybe why like different kinds of Christian is a good way of, of framing it too. Because like Church of England, Church of Nigeria, Episcopal Church USA, like those are all Anglican churches. Like right. those would those would be different they're different bodies they're different institutions they're different organizations and all that kind of stuff but um by any metric they would be the same quote-unquote kind right so that that's helpful and 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 part of why it is it that I, like there isn't a number because right. you're gonna have people saying oh well we're different than this and other people saying we're not different than that and then etc cetera, etc cetera. but um but that that is helpful too where it's like we're kind of more we're getting at sort of the more under underneath the sort of like under the skin like the dna of why a church is a different church than something else it might right. be an organizational thing but they're in full fellowship and communion you know church of england church of nigeria that kind of thing or it might be something more fundamental like you know greek orthodox and presbyterian church usa or something like that right um but but yeah sorry didn't that, cut you off no 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 that's good i mean that that the, the conversation but like it, it it just goes to show like the the ways in which we define ourselves define who we are um the type of church we attend and what's interesting is as i was doing some reading you know a lot of people are saying that we live in a post-denominational uh church especially in the west 
Um, like you already sort of alluded to, like there are literally churches that classify themselves as non-denominational. So like is non-denominational even some sort of denomination where like that's our our rallying thing? Like that's the thing that makes us, you know, united and common. Um, but it, the, the point that I'm trying to get at, though, is like in Scripture, we see nothing about denominations necessarily, right? Like I think of actually... Um, First Corinthians, for example, um, where there is these people who say, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Cephas, I'm with Christ. And like Paul's addressing this like this all this mindset that has already crept in that like you're you're almost like following a, a, a person as opposed to Christ himself. Um, and so like Paul's point is like emphasizing the unity. Uh, I think if you if you picture our podcast, we say it all the time. It's literally in the intro of every conversation we've ever had. Like what we do on this podcast, we are striving for unity in the midst of our diversity. Uh, Lucas and I, as somebody who's Anglican and primarily Baptist, we have distinctions. We have things that make us unique and different theologically. Uh, we've talked about these things for years at this point. Uh, but uh, we, I think, okay. On the one hand, we sort of just have to accept that we we live in a world where denominations do exist, where there are um, differences in theology, differences in practice, differences in application, church structure, whatever it might be. But at, at its core, at the heart, like denominations exist out of a fracture, or if you want to use a more theological word, um, a schism even. Um, many of the denominations that we have, even within, you know, if we're just going to talk about Baptists generally, the different branches of the Baptist tree exist because there were differences of opinion, diff differences of uh, interpretation, differences in practice, whatever it might be. So, like, there there is a sense in which the body of Christ, which is you, the universal church, so if we're going to talk about... Uh, so. I'm so sorry, my, my thoughts are so scattered here. I have like a thousand things I want to say. The two, the two churches that matter, one, the universal church. This is the church in all times and all places. This is Christ's body, who he died for, who he, um, in the end of time, will, uh, will come and claim and, you know, all the things that scripture talks about, the, the universal church. And then you have the local church. You have a, a place where people gather for weekly worship, like whatever your denomination happens to be. Um, and the, as Lucas has said, I live in a town of about 12,000 people and there are like 12 churches, each one a different denomination. If you were to walk into any of them on a given Sunday, you're going to see different, uh, you know, decorations, different appearance, different vestments, uh, different order and structure to how the service is done, different songs, whatever it might be. So is is one good or bad or neutral than the other? Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> I mean, again, denominations exist because um, at least at one point, people felt the need to to differentiate on, on a matter that was significant to them. So if, like, for example, if it was baptism, if Baptists were uh, to firmly be convinced and to hold that only believers should be baptized not infants like that was something that they felt was worth dividing over um but again the when i'm thinking of some of the problems of denominationalism 
Um, I, I, again, again, I, I sort of land on like, there's not really like a mandate. There's not really any teachings on it. Like there's so much conversation about our unity, about what we share in common and not so much on like ways in which we disagree. Um, so what's, what's interesting is the second problem that I think of is that like history tells us that denominationalism is the result of, or at least is caused by conflict, confrontation, division, um, which leads to separation. And so, I don't know, I think of stuff like Jesus talking about a house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, so in some sense that applies to the church, it, it applies to other things too, but in some way, like it has to apply to the church. Um, and so like those, when, when Lucas like brought this conversation up, like those are some of the first thoughts that I had is like, man, more often than not, the when I think of denominationalism, like I've seen it as more of a problem than a benefit. And I say that as somebody who, who truthfully has been a part of like a number of denominations. So I mean, growing up, I, I had gone to an evangelical free church. Um, I've been to assemblies of God. I've been to Baptist churches of different kinds. I've been to um, non-denominational churches in the city. So like I, I am somebody who, though I am like Baptistic, I, I don't even necessarily like consider myself to be a Southern Baptist or some other type of Baptist. Like just generally speaking, like more often than not, I, I consider myself to first and foremost be a Christian. Um, and I know that might seem like cliche. I, I don't know. Like when, <laughs> if you went to like any number of like theology bros, Twitter accounts, account like what's the order of things listed like hopefully christian is listed first but i'm sure you could see something like you know presbyterian pastor father husband type thing um so i'm I'm about to kick it to you please cut off my insane ramblings here but what i'm trying to say is like this the the existence of denominations tells me that there is an, an existence of separation they're inherently baked into the churches that we go into even if we are not living through what caused the divide today, we are heirs, in a sense, of a divide. You walk into your Baptist church, you walk into your Anglican church, though you might not know what led to that church being here today in space and time, you are, you are standing on the shoulders of the people who, who sometimes were killed, who sometimes fought, who sometimes, you know, fa- families were separated because of these things. Um... And these things don't happen in a vacuum. Like these things happen to real people that walked the earth, that had needs and wants and passions. Um, so I'm not trying to say that like, I mean, we've had conversations about this before too. Like when there is a difference of opinion, like you should diligently seek to find common ground. And if you can't, like a separation is necessary. Like I do, I do believe that. Um, but at the same time, it almost seems as though there's just this proliferation of denominations and it, and it's brought us to a point where it's like, do we have anything in common? I'm looking at this list of like denominations and it's talking about all the differences and, and difference in practice, belief, whatever. And I, I have a hard time seeing the unity. Um, and so I have to imagine that, that for those who are not Christians, people who are outside the faith, who look at the thousands of denominations that exist, like... I have to imagine somebody who's like thinking critically would be like, why do they have so much division? Why is there so much difference of opinion? 
Um, so like, what are your thoughts on that, dude? Like this idea that like, yes, denominations exist in some sense, there are good things about denominations. They bring unity. They bring structure for like-minded people and bodies and churches. Like I get all that. Um, but this idea at the core of it being a, uh, more of a dividing mark, um, than anything else. Like, do you have pushback? Do you have thoughts? I think it definitely like, like whether you, however you slice it, like it is itself a dividing mark, whether that's a dividing mark that's justified and good or not, like to say we're in this organization and we're in this organization, all, that is to make a dividing line. And, and I think, I think that, um, the, the, you know, the beginning portions of first Corinthians are a great example of the way that the new Testament is concerned with, with factions within within the body you know like we can't really speak of denominations at that stage in in church history but you can certainly see what paul is um concerned with in terms of factions within the church in corinth and the ways that that brings you know the development of factions is the development of divisions within the one united body which which is Christ's, you know, single body, not a bunch of little bodies or, or separate ones. And um, I, d I don't think probably, like, like it, I'm not saying it's not worth, you know, reviewing scripture, but, you know, without making a detailed list, like, in summary, you know, scripture is very much opposed to factions and divisions within the body of Christ. I, I, there's, not, there's not a positive depiction of separation and division within the church and the what is prayed for by christ what is taught what is modeled what is emphasized what is sought after throughout like the book of acts and and the epistles is the recognition that we are it's not even it's not even a goal it, it's the recognition of a reality that we are one body therefore live like it um and this is predicated like on the assumption, like it's assumed, like fellowship, ecclesial fellowship is assumed in, in like Corinthians, first Corinthians. Like, it's not like, Oh, you got, you know, you guys have been hearing this idea and I'm going to like argue against this idea and tell you, you know, you should really be, you know, like in fellowship together and be one body and take communion together because X, Y, Z, like the assumption is this is what you're doing because this is what it means to be the church. And we see the same emphasis on um, especially Eucharistic unity as, as sort of the visible mark through the Apostolic Fathers, like the entire uh, idea and purpose of an ecumenical council is precisely to maintain true unity, true unity around right doctrine. Um in the Nicene Creed, which is the most universally recognized and utilized Christian creed, um, we confess belief in one holy Catholic apostolic church, you know, and you've got, you've got right there in the right, you know, right on the, the cover of the package, you've got one, and then you've got Catholic, which is just a Greek word that means universal, whole, according to the whole, um, so it it's it's pretty it's pretty well assumed that this is what's going on, you know, and and um, 
so when you when you stack that up, it seems I would I would go as far as to say obvious. It seems pretty clear that um, the church, as she is is taught by Christ and the apostles, and has practiced and maintained from the earliest centuries, is one united Catholic universal. Um, Orthodox, because there there are people who are excluded from that as a result of ecumenical councils, like people who deny the divinity of Christ. They are being, um, you know, they didn't they didn't stop existing after the Council of Nicaea, right? They started meeting together and worshiping in their own churches. Um, it's a, it's a little bit different historically to look backwards, and we we can get this kind of rosy picture. Um, it's not that there weren't people calling themselves Christians who held to different core beliefs. And we could maybe anachronistically, you know, consider them as sort of pseudo pre proto denominations. Um, but, you know, it wasn't until it was, it was funnily enough, it was Nestorius. I think we talked about this in our heretics of history episode. It was, it wasn't until Nestorius, so we're talking mid fifth century, early to mid fifth century he actually shut down um, the final Arian church in Constantinople, in the capital of the Christian Roman Empire. Um, there were there were active Arian churches up until the just about the mid fifth century, which is two hundred years plus after the Council of Nicaea would have excluded them from from fellowship in in the Catholic Church. So that just goes to show like how messy and complicated human life is. But it is very clear and very obvious that unity in a, in a real in a real literal sense, right? Paul Paul's not trying to art, express some kind of abstract, vague, um, sort of imaginary unity where we just say we're united. He's talking to he's talking to a group of people who are bickering amongst themselves and quarreling and causing divisions, and he's saying don't do this be recognize your unity in the body as members of Christ and same with you know Nicaea take your pick of any other you know ecumenical council you like or appeals to unity in the church from any church father you like right like th this is this is a this is an actual real concrete unity and yet we exist in a world today where that doesn't that doesn't exist right and not just from the from the missional apologetic aspect of you know Christ's words in the high priestly prayer that the world will know that we are um, his children by our love. Um, there, there's that aspect that needs to be addressed, but is kind of a separate issue from just the fact that he also separate from that says make them one the way that the Father and I are one, which is. You can't get more united than the father and the son. Um, so it shows the importance and the, the, pr the priority of unity. So all that being said, I don't really see a way out of saying, I mean, this is like, this is a, this is a bad thing. Like, even if we want to say it's necessary, we, we have to acknowledge it's a tragedy, right? Like, I don't think there's a way to read the New Testament or read early Christians I don't think I don't think it's possible to 
to come away from reading those documents and think, oh, no, it's perfectly fine and good that the church is institutionally divided. Now, how we parse that out, there, there's more than one way to do that. But I don't think you can get away from the fact that it's 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 a negative. Like, it's, it's a net loss for uh, the world and certainly for the church. Now, all of that being said... There is the, sti- the the equally sticky situation of, okay, well, what happens when you do have, we, we can take a historical example to make it feel a little maybe more, you know, detached from us, like Arians and Trinitarians, or we could take a more um, closer to home historical example, depending on who you are, like, such as, you know, a... Um, Reformation view of justification or a medieval Roman Catholic view of justification, or we can take a very, you know, an issue like um, a, uh, you know, uh, pedo-baptism or, or believer's baptism, right? Like something that's obviously very much alive in this conversation, right? And we, we can take any of these examples and we can be like, well, okay, obviously like, Certain certain things are just going to be foundational, core, like Christian practices and beliefs. Like if you said, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe Jesus is God. Well, I, I it, that one's a lot easier to see like, no, you can't be a part of this church, right? Like, like you, can, you can't actually be a part of the Christian church and not believe in Christ. So that one might be easier to see where, you know that's going to result in sort of a a division in the sense that if somebody continues to deny the divinity of Christ, they're not going to be able to be a participant in Christ's body and they're going to be outside of that community. And they might they might set up a Aryan church or whatever, um, but it, it's it's you know, like I said, easy to see how that would work where that's just that's that's an that's an issue of um, being, being uh, truthful and faithful to the truth by not sort of ignoring, you know, a blatant, sinful, damnable heresy, right? But okay, so what happens when you have somebody who says, I don't think we should baptize infants and here's my XYZ reasons. And somebody else says, well, I believe we should continue to baptize infants and here's my XYZ reasons. And neither of them convince the other one. And they're in the same community. Every time there's a baptism, there's going to be a, there's going to be a real friction, conflict, even if they're, well-meaning and and genuinely trying to maintain unity like you have you have the reality that if you've got a congregation that is mixed on the question of who should receive this sacrament then every time it's administered you you have baked into it a an ongoing theological disagreement on well you know you've got half the congregation saying Every time a baby gets baptized, that's not that's not okay. But they're do, but the body is doing it, and then every time one of their kids is born, they're withholding baptism, and the others are saying, "Well, that's not okay." And and pretty quickly, it's it's to me, it's very obvious that that's kind of an untenable situation 
where that that congregation is not, you know, my humble, you know, inexperienced opinion, like it doesn't seem like that's a tenable situation for that congregation to actually exist in harmony and unity and love and peace for their ministry and witness in the world to go forward, right? Because they're going to be constantly pulling in both directions on this. Or even more practically, what if you have somebody who thinks that the church ought to be governed by presbyters gathered together in a in a presbytery that meets, you know, with a session and somebody else who thinks you should have bishops? At the end of the day, like, even more so than the baptism question, you can't have both of those things happen. Like, by definition, you're talking about the organizational structure, which is obviously there, there there's there's there's. The, there's theological underpinnings to to church governance but you know sort of setting those to the side at first in terms of like oh who's right and who's wrong at the end of the day regardless of who's right and wrong if people don't change their minds you can't like someone's just not going to have what they think you ought to do and the other one is going to get what they think you ought to do or you're going to have to leave and have your own structure because because we're talking about differences in structure. So these are different examples that play out in different ways, obviously, and they're not all the same, but they all illustrate the they they illustrate the complexity of the point of these are differences that that people have had and continue to have. Um, and without without stepping into the question of evaluating, you know, a theological doctrine or a, a position on church governance or those kinds of things. There's just the reality that we're faced with, which is that people, people disagree on these things. Some of which are, you know, and looking through history, like all the way up to the question of whether or not Jesus is God and all the way down to the question of, you know, what color should the carpet be? People in churches disagree. And so, even though I think that you can make a very easy case that denominations are, are you know, definitionally are bad, like, def, like by the definition of what the church is, there ought not be these organizational institutional divisions, let alone theological divisions. That being said, there's just the uncomfortable reality that it's... It's, um, I, I guess, inevitable might be the word I'm looking for. And I don't know if that's, you know, maybe I'm just denomination brained because that's the only world I know. But like, I, I you know, maybe maybe so. It took, it took, you know, several hundred years for there to be major divisions within, um, within the body of, of, of confessionally Christian um, congregations so you know maybe maybe there could be a different world where these these divisions wouldn't result these differences wouldn't result in actual divisions but i don't know i mean they did in our in our real world history and they do today so this isn't the mcu you don't have like alternate timelines you don't have like you can't go into another universe and and have a a better cleaner christian timeline (laughs) Um, at least not that we have discovered yet, I guess I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't make assumptions. I'm not God, but, but no, to your point, dude, like 
the sovereign ruler when he prayed that prayer in the garden, when he prayed for unity, it's not like he didn't know what he was praying for. It's not like he didn't know or foresee that 2023, you know, or however many, 2020 years later, that we wouldn't be where we are today, sitting here talking about it. Like in some way, Christ knew that. Um, and I think that is the point. Like, I think that's where I like want to maybe take this conversation because we've talked about like ways in which denominations are bad. We've recognized that like there are good things about it. Like it, 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 it does give structure to somebody who's like, I mean, in some way you can't just be like an aimless wanderer out in the desert with like no barometer or like thing to guide you. Right. So like in, in, in some small sense, like they, there are, are good things about them as, as there are, are bad things. Like a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast, there's that not everything is just good or bad. Yes or no. Like there's so much in between and, and gray and things that you have to work through. But I think like Christ's prayer in the garden is interesting because he, he prays that like we would be one as he himself is one with the father um, which is like something we probably could plumb the depths of for a long time, like what that means. Um, but in some sense, like, especially being 2000 years removed from Christ walking the earth, where we recognize that there are an seemingly infinite number of divisions amongst us, Christ prayed for our unity. And so that ought to be what we seek first and foremost above all else. Um, I recognize that like people are just going to have differences of opinion. I think part of that comes with having in a population that has grown to nearly 8 billion. Um, like there are just like 8 billion individuals who, who have experiences, likes, desires, dislikes, um, are trying to make sense of the world. Um, and in some sense, like denominations like exist because there has been a difference of theological interpretation. So, denominations like i think i couldn't look at lucas and be like lucas is a heretic because he believes we should baptize infants and lucas likewise can't turn to me and say the same thing like jens is a heretic because he only wants to baptize adults that believe um like we've had these conversations like scripture is not absolutely clear i i know like i think from my perspective that like I've come to the conclusion that I've come to and Lucas thinks the same thing. But the reason that the debate continues to go on is because there is not a definitive thing. There is not a, a concrete example of someone saying, this is what you do. Um, and so like in some sense, scripture in many ways allows, if we want to use that word for there to be differences of interpretation where we can still remain orthodox, where we can still remain like faithful to the one holy Catholic apostolic church, all those things Lucas said earlier. Um, and so when we engage, when we encounter, when we discuss, when we do whatever happens across an aisle, so Jens the Baptist to Lucas the Anglican, as we've tried to exemplify on this podcast, like where can we strive for unity? And I recognize that like most people aren't out there just like trying to cause a stir or get into fights. Um, but my point is, is like, let's f like, man, okay, here, there's, there's this, uh, this article that I was going to bring up later, but like, it, it actually makes a really good point. Like right now, um, it's called 14 observations about the state of Christian denominations today. It's from a guy, his name is Carl Vaders, Carl Vaders. 
um, who works with churches, building, strengthening, establishing them, all that. And so as he's done this for years and years and years, these are like 14 observations he's made. Um, obviously, some of them are generalizations. They don't all hit everything on the head. Uh, but this is interesting. Number four is the stronger the denominator. Uh, sorry, let me start over. Number four, the stronger the de denominational tie they have, the more likely the church is to be weak, which is really interesting. He's found over over his years um, doing doing what he does that like when there is a church that has an extremely strong denominational tie, uh, that church has been proven to be more weak. Um, he says he wants to say this carefully and lovingly, but he has to say it because he sees it a lot. There are a lot of great, healthy, effective churches with strong denominational ties. Some of them are even supporting their denomination more than the denomination has the ability to support them. But when a congregation's identity is extremely closely tied to their denominational affiliation, that congregation is more likely to be weak than strong. It's very hard to find vibrant, healthy, effective churches that make statements like, we do it this way because we're, insert denomination. Uh, when a church's denominational statement is more evident than their mission statement, they will draw almost no one who isn't already in on the language, the traditions, and the history. And so his point being is what, what can happen when you have a church that is so strongly denominationally focused um, they can lose sight of the the mission that they have as the church. They, the, the tendency is to like create more Baptists, create more Anglicans versus creating more believers. Obviously, like the, the de denomination can almost be a guardrail. Um, however, the, the, like the whole point of this article that this guy is trying to write uh, is that denominations that support and enhance the biblical mission of the local church will thrive. Those that don't will continue to decline. Um, so as we think about uh, engaging across the aisle, as we think about our unity that exists amongst our myriad of diversity, um, I think the the important thing is like, man, denominations need to support and enhance the the global mission of the church, the the biblical mission of what we ought to be if we want to see the church thrive. I think the problem, or like at least a problem, with so much of contemporary Christian, especially or uh, uh, contemporary Christianity, especially in the West, especially especially in America, um, is that we seem to we seem to like to divide more than we like to unify. We like to divide over the sports team that we like, the city that we live in, the state that we live in, our political beliefs, our whatever, so on and so forth. We have all these things that um, we separate over that naturally flows over into our, our, our churches, our congregations, and then how we talk about things related to them. Um, but if we want to like be different than everybody else like seek unity if you want if you want to look different than people like don't get in arguments all the time but seek like to have like honest charitable conversations where you actually listen where you actually engage with somebody that has a different opinion than you um i think it would be shown over and over again that like when that happens when people are seeking unity like they come together despite their very real and honest differences but they like have a, a genuine conversation there would be less hate. There would be less hostility. There'd be less violence even. Um, and I'm not trying to say that like because denominations exist, it leads to violence necessarily. But I just think like 
much like denominations are a, 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 the seed of division, um, I think a lot of the problems that we experience in our world are the seeds of division, socioeconomic, race, gender, whatever. Again, we like to divide everything down as far as we can um, instead of recognizing, you know, and I recognize too, like we, we live in a very individualistic society. In, inherently, the individual nature has caused us to forget about our, our place in a community even much of the time. And so we're, we're so focused inwardly on me and my thing and what I'm doing, we've forgotten about like neighbor, friend, colleague, loved one, whatever. Like, again, now I'm rambling. So like, what I'm trying to get to, what I'm trying to say is like, denominations are, are a thing that exists in the world today. They can be good. They can be bad. A given church in a given denomination can be good and bad as it operates. But what is it that you are seeking? That is the question that like doesn't have to be answered. Like that's the rhetorical question that I want you guys to ponder is like in your church, in your congregation, what are you seeking? What is your mission? Are you trying to make Baptists? Are you trying to make Methodists? Are you trying to make believers who will, who will, I mean, quite literally change the world? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, dude? Do you have any? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. Like, like at the end of the day, in real, in in life, in in church life, in any given person's life, life can only be lived locally. Um, it's not that we're not involved or connected in broader ways through politics and through. Um, you know, organizations that we are involved with or, or give to and through our um, our prayer for the world and the church globally. But, but at the end of the day, we, we don't live everywhere. We only live here, wherever that here is. And, and so the same is true with the church. Like the mission of the church is lived out in local churches, living that mission out, being committed to living the way of Jesus in the world, in their communities. And so to, to tie a bow on this, like the answer or, or the, the, so what to everything that, that we've said and haven't said that, that could be said is to, to seek unity, which means, you know, engaging with people in responsible, healthy, loving ways. Sure. But it also means stuff that, that to a lot of people might seem a little even more concrete than that. Like it's, it's, it's certainly like face to face, peer to peer interactions, but it's also like, well, how are you live? Like for me, like I've, I've, I've for so long thought about this, like, what does it look like for, you know, the pastors in a given city to, to invite like, like all the pastors, priests, ministers, in a city, a town, whatever, are, are all invited to come meet together once a quarter for a big breakfast or something like that. And just to interact, to get to know each other. And churches start working together, right? Churches start, now they know, the pastor, you know, knows this other guy and so thinks of, oh, you know, what can we do in that neighborhood? Like, Maybe it's a little idealistic to think about this way, but to me, it just it seems like the dominoes could start to fall in in 
big ways if people were intentional, not not open to or not generally, you know, positive about, but intentional about seeking partnerships. Um, because at the end of the day, if we're not partnering together, we aren't we aren't really you know unified. And that 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 could be maybe too extreme of a statement, but certainly if we are partnering together, it's going to be a lot harder to be disunified because we're going to know each other and we're going to be working together. And there are limits to that. There like there there are limits to to what you can like, you know. People who come from a different denomination don't need to be professors at a denominational seminary, right? Like that just wouldn't necessarily makes sense <laughs> if, if if you're a you know say a Presbyterian school that is teaching ministry and theology in a Presbyterian context to future Presbyterian pastors you probably don't need an East Orthodox priest teaching right like it just doesn't really make sense you know so there are limits but how can churches in an area come together to address a specific need or put on a specific uh, event or something, an outreach event? Like, like I don't, I don't know, but it seems to me a great first step to think of concrete examples within your a given community or given neighborhood, whatever it might be. Because at the end of the day, like unity is a, is a real tangible thing between real tangible people which requires actually doing stuff, not talking about it on a podcast and not tweeting about it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and ultimately, like, it's obvious that we can't turn back the clock and we also can't, you know, in a day or a month or a year, change the entire world and the entire state of the church globally and all this kind of thing. But we can be, we can think seriously and intentionally about how we engage, how we work together with, with other churches on a sort of church-to-church level, on a community level. Um, and I think that those are those are the ways that God has given us to live because we are bound by space and time and all that. So how can we actively and intentionally pursue the unity that Christ asked for for us and, and desires for us and that so many have fought so hard to maintain over the centuries in whatever given context it is. And maybe that's too vague or too big, and maybe it's not enough, and and, and maybe there's more that needs to be said. I'm sure there is. But I, I think for me, it's like thinking about, thinking about this as a start of a conversation. To me, it's like, well, it seems like a good place to start. How can I start thinking and praying about ways to actually be an agent of unity within the body of Christ? Um, and you know, we're we're talking we're talking, you know, interchurch kind of levels, but that also does vary. You know, even before you get to that, you got to be unified within your congregation, or else you can't really do anything effectively um for for any for anybody else if if you guys can't get along so so that's obviously also an important important piece important piece of it is not being you know (laughs) a divisive annoying selfish person in in your own congregation to start right 
Um, but yeah, I think that's probably that's probably what we'll call it. Um, tr- it's a tricky one because there's so much to say and so much that's worth saying that that that's important that it's hard to really get started yeah. and to pin down a focus. So I feel I feel very unresolved. Like more so than a lot of our conversations. And I think that that is not so much. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and, and send us an email or something. But I, I don't think that so much because this was a bad conversation so much as there's just this is just such a small slice of something that's a much bigger conversation. So For sure. maybe we'll come back to this. Maybe 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 um, we'll think of something else later and, and it'll it'll slot right in, you know, whatever send us feedback, send us your thoughts. Um, yeah. Cause this is one of those things that, that, that will forever be ongoing as, as long as we're alive. So um, there, there is, there is of course much more to be said that ought to be said, but, but that, that, at, you know, just hasn't been said yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, I, I feel almost unresolved, but I think, I mean, this, we, we're a podcast. We can do whatever the heck we want, man. We're the we're the makers here. We can we could just like cut off now, not do an outro, and just go home and do it. Our, like you know, it's whatever we want to do. Um, That's but true. It's like, That's true. It's, <laughs> it's the start of a conversation, if nothing else, a conversation between you and me. Maybe a conversation between listeners and whatever. Like that, I, I'm comfortable with that. I, I just wanted to close and say, like like I was alluding to earlier, like Jesus prayed in the garden for unity. Um, Jesus being God, being sovereign, knowing all things, like knew that here we are today where differences exist on theological interpretation. And I sometimes have to wonder, sometimes have to wonder that is the Bible not more clear because God was, it's almost like he's like, how unified can these be? How, how like these people out here, how unified can they be on the things that matter and how can they like have some, some some love for one another where they differ? Like I'm sure that there it's pr- probably far more complicated than that. But still, God in His providence could have written something far more cut, dry, clear, easy to understand, uh, and maybe we'd be better off for it, or maybe not. Like the way the the fact of the matter is, is like we have the Bible that we have, uh, we have the world that we have, and so like live as faithfully as you can. Uh, rest assured in the fact that like Christ is the one that keeps you, not you, not your denomination, not your affiliation. Um, and so like rest in his love for you and what he's done on the cross and, and try as best as you can pity human to like do what you can. I don't know. Like that's, that feels like almost like a, I'm trying to think of like my, my youth pastor days and like how I might close uh, something like this, like with some sort of you know inspirational type deal but like you i think you get my point anyway close us out dude yeah definitely yeah so i mean we will close in prayer and then and then wrap up this evening so let's let's pray oh gracious father we humbly beseech thee for thy holy catholic church that thou wouldst be pleased to fill it with all truth and all peace where it is corrupt purify it where it is an error direct it where in anything it is amiss reform it where it is right, establish it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of him who died and rose again and ever liveth to make intercession for us, Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. That will do it for us this evening. 
or today, I guess, depending on when you're listening. Um, we want to say thank you for tuning in and listening today. Thank you for all the support over the last, as long as we've been doing it, <laughs> but especially um, in recent months as we've been um, a little more hit or miss, but we're back. So if you'd like to connect with us, especially on a topic like this one today, we'd love to hear from you. Social media is at Doxology Podcast, Gmail at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage on these ideas, but of course, any other ideas, uh, ideas for episodes that you'd like to hear us talk about, things that are on your mind, everything in between. Um, if we hear from you before our next episode, that'd be great. But if not, we'll see you then. You have a good one.